0: Well, good morning, Grace Gospel Church. Good morning. It's so nice to see you. I'm so excited about today's message, as excited as I was about last week's message. I received so much positive feedback on last week's message. You know, the title of uh, our entire series is The Life of Joseph and the Sovereignty of God. And I think so many of you said to me that you now realize the sovereignty of God is not just dry theology. It's not just for the whitewashed halls of the seminary or the Bible college. It touches the life of the believer every day and in so many ways. It's not just dry theology. Theology is meant to come alive and touch your lives, affect your lives. And I'm so happy to be with, here, with you all here today because this message is like an immediate follow-on. It's like a very intense, practical application of the sovereignty of God. Sure, we had application last week, a lot of it. You recognize that, you gave feedback on that, but... Today's message takes us just one step further along the path in understanding the practicality, excuse me, of the sovereignty of God. And so, this is the reason why I'm so happy to be here with you today. Now, you may notice I've been repeating myself, and I've been doing that intentionally, intentionally because you may have also noticed that when our brother Gilson read Genesis 39, that there were multiple instances of repetition. One phrase was repeated no less than four times in those verses. Another phrase was repeated three times in those verses. There, the entire account, is divided into two main parts based on location, Potiphar's house and jail, and the exact same experience of Joseph is found in Potiphar's house as well as in Pharaoh's prison. There is no difference. This chapter is filled with repetition. We know that when Jesus Christ said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, that we needed to pay attention but we have as much and even more repetition to cause us to pay attention and to focus on the key important points in this chapter. In this true story, this account of what happened in the life of Joseph, this repetition should cause us to focus in on what is key in this chapter. The patriarchs, we read together in Acts 7, became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. Yet God was with him. This is Stephen's divine commentary. The words that Luke wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, first spoken by Stephen before they put him to death for his testimony for Christ, the first Christian martyr. His testimony on Joseph's life on Genesis 39 was that God was with him. He doesn't say God was with him in Potiphar's house and not in jail. All he says about Joseph is that God was with him, and he'll go on as we read together and rescued him out of all his afflictions. But you might be thinking, oh, Paul, that's Joseph. Certainly God doesn't care about me in that same way. Oh, no? In the letter written to Hebrew Christians, the author says this, being content with what you have. Very practical words here, being content with what you have, with your circumstances in life. For he himself, none less than God himself has said, and now he references Deuteronomy chapter 31, where it's repeated in verses 6 and 8, I will never leave you, nor ever will I forsake you. Not only are these words basically repeated in two verses, but each time they're essentially a repetition. I will never leave you, nor ever will I forsake you. God wants us to know this. What is true in Joseph's life, yet God was with him, is true in the life of every single believer in Christ today who is here listening to these words. God will never leave you, nor ever will he forsake you. The title of today's message is God is with you. He wasn't just with Joseph, he's with you. Genesis 39 reveals the sovereignty of God over life circumstances. Last week we saw God's sovereignty over family dysfunction. Certainly that's a circumstance in life, but it's a particular one. Here, God's sovereignty comes out very powerfully over all of life's circumstance. Whether you are in Potiphar's house or whether you are in prison, God is sovereign over both of those circumstances. In Genesis 39, the Lord himself is revealed as the sovereign God over life's circumstances who never forsakes those he loves. He's sovereign over circumstances, and he is always with you. He never forsakes you. If you take only one thing away from this morning's message, and this is a good follow-on to last week's message, no matter how bad things get for you in this life, know that, please know that God is always with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. No matter how low, how low the point is in your life that you may find yourself today or, God forbid, in the coming days, he is always with you. We're going to look at this chapter under three main headings, God's sovereignty over life's blessings, God's sovereignty over life's temptations, and God's sovereignty over life's trials. Let's get right into this by looking at God's sovereignty over life's blessings. God is with you when you are blessed. He is the source of that blessing. He is responsible for that blessing. He has ordained that blessing. We don't bring about blessing on ourselves. We don't force God's hand to bless us. God is the one who chooses when, how, and where to bless, and he is with you when you are blessed. I know we all feel this when we're blessed. It's going to be a little tougher to swallow and understand and accept that when we get to the second and third parts of the message. But I doubt that anyone here doesn't feel that God is with them when they're blessed. God's sovereign presence brings blessing. Just by his very presence, he is that blessing. We sang words to that effect in one of... The songs this morning. Christ himself is the greatest blessing. Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guards. Do you remember that's how the previous chapter on Joseph's life ended? That Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's bodyguard, bought him. Guess how the very next chapter in Joseph's life that concerns him, chapter 39, Opens the exact same way the previous chapter about Joseph's life, chapter 37, ended. Repetition. There were no chapter breaks. 38 is just a different story, unconcerned with Joseph. We don't need to get into its purpose now. But chapter 39 opens exactly the same way chapter 37 ends. Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's bodyguard, bought him. You think that's something God wants us to know? Out of all the many Egyptians who could have bought Joseph, God was sovereign over Joseph's life circumstances to ensure that one particular individual would be there, would have the means, the funds, would not be outbid, and would buy Joseph. God saw to that. God was with Joseph even in the purchase of Joseph as a slave. The Lord was with Joseph. That is the phrase that's repeated four times in this chapter. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him in Potiphar's house and then in Pharaoh's prison. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. God's presence brings blessing. The Lord was with Joseph. And as a result, that little word, so, so, what was the outcome of the Lord being with Joseph? So, Joseph became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master. A new slave would often start out in the field, doing hard work, even demeaning work. But not Joseph, he was in the house of his master. This is where he started out. Do you think God had a hand in that, in where Joseph was placed? I I think so. The Lord was with him. So, he became successful and he was in the house of his master. He could have just been successful out in the fields. But no, he was successful in the house of his master. God's sovereign sovereign presence and blessing will be recognized by others. His master saw that the Lord was with him. Here is this idolatrous, pagan Egyptian who worshipped Ra and Osiris and Horus, gods with animal heads. The head of a jackal, the head of a crocodile, the head of a falcon. This is what this man worshipped. This is all he knew, he was brought up this way. Yet, what does he recognize? When God's sovereign presence brings blessing, even someone like Potiphar would recognize that the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph. He noticed also how the Lord caused all that Joseph did to prosper. Now that's a little more understandable. Somebody with a lot of means, a lot of money, a lot of goods, they're very concerned about those. And he noticed that whatever Joseph did, the Lord caused to prosper. There was no denying that. He had never seen that before from any other slave who administered and oversaw any task that he gave them. The Lord's blessing was on them all. And so as a result, Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. He was like the butler in a wealthy English household. But he was even more. He made him overseer over his house and all that he owned he put in charge. He recognized that God's presence was with Joseph. Others will recognize that about you as well. As we submit ourselves to the sovereignty of God over our life, that he has the right to place us wherever he wants, to do with us whatever he desires. He's the potter, we are the clay. The clay doesn't say to the potter, Why are you doing this? Why did you make me like this? I don't agree with this. No, that's not what the clay does. That's not what Joseph did. And the Lord was with him and brought out success in his life. Now, in Joseph's life, that was success in terms of his status in Potiphar's household and over all Potiphar owned. Your life and mine, that success more often than not, will be spiritual success. Paul makes it very clear that what happened to key individuals in the Old Testament were lessons for us, but they were spiritual lessons. God wants to bless you spiritually and give you great success in your spiritual walk. When that happens, when you submit yourself to the sovereignty of God in your life, welcome His presence wherever He's placed you. Others will recognize that spiritual blessing that the Lord will bring upon your life. God's sovereign presence and blessing affects those around us as well. It doesn't just affect us, it affects those associated with us. From the time he made Joseph overseer in his house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph's. The Lord's blessing was upon all that Potiphar owned in the house and in the field. Now, this might sound strange. How does that work? But do you know, Paul the Apostle, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, teaches this very same principle. In the case of what's termed biblically a mixed marriage, nothing to do with races or anything like that, it has to do with one marital partner, the husband or the wife, being a believer in Christ and the other not a believer in Christ. A mixed marriage, believer, and unbeliever he says this that the unbelieving spouse is blessed through the believing spouse he actually teaches that in 1 Corinthians 7 the same truth that is taught here here it was potiphar and all that he owned that was blessed because of his association with Joseph god's presence and blessing upon us as He gives us spiritual success will affect others around us. It'll affect not only your family, it'll affect your church family as well. How I desire that all of us submit ourselves willingly to the sovereignty of God and allow Him to bless us in the way that he knows his best to bless each and every one of us. God's sovereign presence and blessing brings peace of mind. Here it brings peace of mind to Potiphar. So Potiphar left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. He didn't concern himself with anything. Can you imagine that? A wealthy man not worrying about his money. I mean, King Midas was in his counting house counting out his money. There was a reason for that he was worried about it here Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything this is miraculous in and of itself think about that Uh, a big time investor in the stock market for example never even looking at oh you know uh, uh, what did the, uh, the Japanese market the Nikkei open at was it up or down what are, what are anticipated for futures? How did the Dow open? What is the Dow doing today? Investors are concerned about this all day long. Not Potiphar. Why? Because of the Lord's blessing. The Lord's blessing brings peace of mind. You know, this can be a barometer or a thermometer or a yardstick of our submission, willing submission to the sovereignty of God over us. How concerned and worried are we about things? Are we fretting and worrying constantly about our health or about our job or a family situation, even the salvation of a loved one? Now, these are all important things. I'm not minimizing them. These are critical key things in our life. But above them all is our relationship with God in Jesus Christ. And when God is with us, when He's not chasing after us, when we, like the prodigal, come running back to Him, and the Father runs out to us and embraces us and puts a new coat upon us, When we are experiencing the Father's blessing, God's blessing like that, the blessing of Jesus Christ like that, it brings peace of mind. We don't need to concern ourselves with anything. What does the future hold for us regarding our our health or our employment or even the salvation of a loved one? All of this is in God's hands. It's not for us to worry about. God, as we saw last time in Genesis 37, will always turn the evil into good. That's what he desires to do. And the goodness of his presence is always with us. We've seen God's sovereignty over life's blessings, and and, and we can acknowledge that, but you know there's God's sovereignty over life's temptations as well. God doesn't just disappear from us at different times. He said, I will never leave you, nor ever will I forsake you. When temptation comes, it's not that God has disappeared. God is there. God is with you when you are tempted. Just as he's with you when you were blessed, he's with you when you're tempted. God's sovereign presence is with us even when temptation comes upon us. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Part of God's sovereignty, how he created him. I'm glad I don't have Joseph's problems. It came about that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, lie with me. God was with Joseph. It was repeated twice already in Potiphar's house. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him even in this temptation. Never, in verse 3, after it says the Lord was with him, down to verse 6 here, does it ever say the Lord was not with Joseph? The Lord departed from Joseph. We are told twice the Lord is with him. And that is the state now in verse 6. The Lord is with Joseph even when temptation comes upon him. Never conclude, brothers and sisters, that when you're tempted in whatever way, similar to Joseph or different than Joseph, even if you're tempted to worry and fret, the Lord has not forsaken you. He is there with you, right there with you. Know that and take comfort in that. God's sovereign presence with us helps us to resist temptation and even continued temptation. But Joseph refused. Do you think he did that on his own? Or the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord was with him. Do you think that had something to do with it? Proverbs tells us that a haughty spirit, pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit, a proud spirit, before a fall. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, wherefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Joseph didn't resist temptation alone. He refused. And that was the Lord's presence that gave him that strength to refuse temptation. As she spoke to Joseph day after day, this was not a one-time thing. This was day after day. He did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. God's presence will help you and I overcome temptation. These words remind me of the uh, little introductory video that we saw from Chip Ingram, uh, the video series that's being shown on Thursday night. He talked about how he continued in sin over and over and over. The things that he did not wish to do, he found himself doing. Uh, Brother Ingram is going to share principles from Romans chapter 12 that if prayerfully practiced in the power of the Holy Spirit will help give you spiritual victory in your life. I encourage you, I urge you, if at all possible, attend Thursday evening and learn how to grow not just in the knowledge of God, but in the grace of God as well through those messages God's sovereign presence with us reminds us that all sin is great evil. We need to call sin what it is. Oh, it's not my little shortcoming in life. It's not, oh, I got a character flaw. I do this. It it is sin and it is great evil. Joseph says, how then could I do great evil and sin? Sin is great evil. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no minimizing it. God is not like us. He takes sin very seriously. He says that in Psalm 50. You thought I was exactly like you and would overlook your sin in the context there. No, God is not like us. He is a holy God and he will not tolerate sin in his presence. He provided a remedy for sin in his own Son, Jesus Christ, who left the glories of heaven as we sung this morning. You came near from the everlasting to the world in which we live. He became a man, lived a perfect sinless life, unlike anyone else. No one but Christ has lived perfectly and sinlessly, always in obedience to the Father. And then, at the end of his life, he died in our place, bearing our sins in his body on the cross, as Paul writes He suffered the wrath and judgment of God. He cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? An experience he never had from eternity past, separated, as it were, from his Father. He did that, bearing the sins of the world so that all who would call upon him would be saved through what he did on the cross. Do you believe he did that for you this morning? If you've never trusted in him, know that your sin is great evil. The Scripture says there's none righteous, not even one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, the Scripture says. It is great evil. God is not like us. He's not going to tolerate sin. He judged sin in Jesus Christ and you can accept that as judgment for sin or you can accept his judgment upon you for all eternity for sin. That sounds harsh, but Jesus Christ himself taught more about hell than he did about heaven. Would you please consider this? Would you please turn to Christ and be saved? Cry out to him. The Scripture says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Cry out to him, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, like that tax collector in Luke 18 did. And he will save you. He will be with you the way he was with Joseph. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you if you cry out to him for salvation. God's sovereign presence reminds us that all sin is against God. How then, Joseph says, could I do this great evil and sin against God? Remember what he said just before these words? My master has entrusted everything to me, except his wife, except you. Everything I have authority over but not you. How then could I do this great evil and sin against Potiphar? Well, it would have been sin against Potiphar, but that's not what he says. Sin against God. He knew that it was more than just the circumstances around him, the horizontal. There was a vertical spiritual component to this entire situation. It was spiritual warfare. He recognized that, And he says, How could I do this great evil and sin against God? That's the truth of every sin it is against God, and it is great evil. There's never any victimless sin. God, in a sense, is always the victim, He is the one that we are sinning against. God's sovereign presence with us motivates us to flee sin at all costs. One day she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me, and he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. He was motivated to flee sin at all costs. It didn't matter what it would cost him. He fled and left. Is that what you and I do when we are tempted to sin against god do we flee that situation move away from whatever that temptation is in order to avoid it and not sin do great evil and sin against god god's sovereign presence is with us even when others lie about us she saw that he left his garment in her hand and had fled she called to the men of the household and said see He came in to lie with me, and I screamed. She told a complete lie. Her words were true of herself, what she hoped to do, but it was not true of Joseph. Do we think God's sovereign presence leaves us when someone lies about us, lies about you or your spouse or your family or your church? God is still with Joseph. Never do we read that the Lord had left Joseph. Even in the midst of this lie against him, God was with Joseph. <clears throat> God's sovereign presence is with us even when others slander us to those closest to us. Now, Joseph was still a slave to Potiphar, but he was a very, very trusted slave. I doubt that Potiphar ever had a harsh word for Joseph. Why would he? He saw that the Lord was with him and that everything Joseph did turned out to be incredible blessing for himself. Why would he ever chastise Joseph? There's no indication of that in the account. I could see Potiphar trusted Joseph so much that he didn't concern himself with anything. I think there was likely a bond there, definitely a bond of trust. That means he appreciated Joseph. Doesn't mean he loved him like a son necessarily, but probably the person in Joseph's life that was closest to him was Potiphar. And now, Potiphar's wife is gonna slander Joseph, tell lies about Joseph to the person who very likely was the closest to him. She left his garment beside her, Joseph's garment, until Joseph's master came home. Then she spoke to him, the slave you brought to us came in to lie with me. Notice the same thing is happening, the slave you brought to us. That's just like the Garden of Eden. The serpent. Deceived me, and I ate. The woman you gave to me gave to me, and I ate. The slave you brought to us. In fact, the text says, She said, it's the exact same Hebrew word that's used of this, the serpent said to Eve. It's always the lie of the devil. Christ said uh, that that, uh, Satan was abode not in the truth. He's a liar and the father of lies. And so she said, just like the serpent said to Eve, she says to the men and then she says to her husband, I raised my voice and screamed. He left his garment beside me and fled outside. Again, God is with Joseph even when he slandered to those closest to him. God has not left Joseph. There's nothing in the text that says that God has left. All we know, and it's been repeated twice for emphasis, is the Lord is with Joseph. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what others say about you, what lies they tell about you, who they tell those lies to about you, your family, your church family, You can't conclude that the Lord is not with you. The Lord is not with your family. The Lord is not with your church family. The Lord is always with you just as he was with Joseph. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. The Lord is with you even when others sin against you. Let's look at the third part, God's sovereignty over life's trials. As a result of his victory, his spiritual victory over temptation, Joseph is now going to go through a trial. It's not fair. It's not just, but it is God's sovereign will. It's all part of God's plan to move Joseph out of Potiphar's house through the jail up to Pharaoh's house where he won't just have influence and control over Potiphar's material goods, he in Pharaoh's house will have control over all of Egypt. It's all part of God's plan. It's just the journey he took was through Pharaoh's jail. God is with you when you're blessed. God is with you when you're tempted. God is with you when you go through trials, when you're tried. God's sovereign presence is with us even when we are unjustly treated. When Potiphar heard the words of his wife, his anger burned. Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail. But not just any jail. Remember, Potiphar was bodyguard, uh, was captain over Pharaoh's bodyguard. He was associated with Pharaoh closely. He put him into the... Pharaoh's jail, the place where the king's prisoners, Pharaoh's prisoners, were confined. That's God's sovereignty. Of all the jails he could have gone to, Potiphar wanted to keep an eye on him, maybe even make things difficult for him. And he put him in Pharaoh's jail. God didn't rescue him from that jail. He was there in the jail. He didn't deliver him at that point. Joseph tasted jail. Brothers and sisters, God was still with him. If we think we forgot that, he's going to remind us twice more that the Lord was with Joseph, even in the jail. Even when you are unjustly treated, brothers and sisters, God is with you. He never leaves you, nor does he ever forsake you. God's sovereign presence with us can bless us even in the midst of trials. Do you think trials stop God's blessing upon you? No, the Lord was with Joseph. The third time we're told this. The Lord was with Joseph, and what did the Lord do? Extend kindness to Joseph. Circumstances in life do not prevent the Lord from blessing you, from being with you, from giving you spiritual victory, from giving you joy and a rejoicing spirit. Trials don't stop that. He he can even give favor, as he did with Joseph, he gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And then as a result, the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail. Three times in Potiphar's house. Potiphar entrusted to Joseph all that he owned. All that he owned. All that he owned in the house and in the field. Repeated three times. Here again, Joseph's charge was over all. See, God blesses Joseph in jail in the exact same way he blessed him in Potiphar's house. It didn't matter what Joseph's situation was. God was with him. God's blessing was upon him. It's the same thing in your life, brothers and sisters. God can bless you anywhere, give you rejoicing anywhere in your life in any circumstance. God's sovereign presence with us can bless us similarly in any circumstance so that whatever was done, he was responsible for it. That's exactly what it was in Potiphar's house. No different there or in jail. The chief jailer did not supervise anything. Potiphar did not concern himself with anything. You see all the repetition? What is the Lord trying to get across to us? He is always with us. He can always bless us. It doesn't matter what you're going through in life. The Lord is with you. He didn't supervise anything under Joseph's charge because, why didn't he? The Lord was with him the fourth time. We're told this. Verily, 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 we would pay attention. God wants us to pay attention to this. Even apart from Stephen's divine commentary, Yet God was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. That's exactly what was said of him in Potiphar's house. Do you see? It's exactly the same. Every statement has a counterpart, whether it be in Potiphar's house or in jail. There is no difference. God is able to work regardless of our circumstances. Nothing stays or hinders his hand. He's able to do it exactly the same anywhere. In conclusion, we clearly see that God is sovereign over life's circumstances. He saw that Potiphar bought him, and he was in Potiphar's house. He blessed him there with his presence and with success. God was sovereign in moving Joseph to jail. And God was present there as well and God gave him success no different God is revealed in this chapter I hope you can see that as the sovereign God who never forsakes those he loves and again take this away with you I don't know your situation today I don't know all of you and exactly what's going on in your life this past week or even today or what will go on this coming week or month. But no matter how bad things get in your life, please know that God is with you. The Lord was with Joseph in verse 2. The Lord was with him in verse 3. The Lord was with Joseph in verse 21. The Lord was with him in verse 23. Stephen's divine commentary inspired by the Holy Spirit, God was with him. That's what God wants us to know from this chapter. He is always with us. He himself, God himself has said, I will never leave you nor ever will I forsake you. He even repeats it in this verse. So much repetition because we need that. He wants us to pay attention to it. He wants us to believe it. So let me challenge you today. Will you begin to recognize that God is always with you every moment of every day? There's not one moment of any day of your life that God is not with you. Let that bring you joy. Let that bring you peace. Let that bring you warning that He knows when we're about to sin against Him. May the recognition of his presence with us every moment of every day cause us to not only be more joyful, to live more joyful lives, but to live more holy lives. And today, will you begin to understand that your circumstances in life don't need to change for you to experience God's blessing? God can bless you right where you're at today, tomorrow, next week. He's been blessing you your entire life since you turned to him for salvation and cried out to him to save you. Your situation does not need to change. You can experience the fullness of joy God wants for you in any circumstance in life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how we thank you for the power of your word. How we thank you for the beautiful message of your word and Dear God, we're we're amazed. How could you love us the way you do? Indeed, uh, how can we ever doubt that you would bless us because you've already given us your very best, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for him. We thank you for his salvation. We thank you for everything you're doing in our life, in our family, and in our church family. And we pray, dear God, that your Holy Spirit, the true teacher of your word, which would continue to impress the lessons of this chapter upon us. And we do thank you that you are always with us. May we praise you at all times.